It's This Week in Bourbon, your version of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And here's your headlines for January 13th, 2023. Barrel Craft Spirits has purchased a historic rickhouse in Shively, Kentucky. The Bourbon Capital Alliance has announced the establishment of the Brindiamo Penthouse. And there's a new bourbon release called 78 Legends featuring a 50-year-old bourbon. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody. We are back with This Week in Bourbon with more bourbon news coming at you than last week. So it only took another week to finally get a little bit more bourbon news rolling through here but the the press releases they're going people are starting getting excited it's it's back to the same old same old all the pr people recovered from their holiday hangovers and they took a week you know to recover and now they're back at it you know just pushing out press releases yeah i'd say we're back to the same old same old except i kind of want to get an update with you because right now everybody's in this this egg frenzy because i guess eggs have just gotten wild in regards of prices and you had the foresight. You you purchased some chickens a few months ago. What's the what's the latest on that? Yeah, we're still still waiting on eggs. I think, uh, <laughs> and that wasn't why I bought chickens. It was more my daughter just like pressured me into wanting a pet, and I was like, "We're not getting a dog. We're not getting a hamster. 
and uh, I was looking at low maintenance pets, and chickens was one of them. But uh, yeah, no eggs yet, but they're close. They they say uh, my chickens are three months old, and they say between four to six months. So I'm hoping at four months. I've been feeding them all the right stuff, pumping them up with vitamins, and uh, you know all the good feed. So are even gonna, give them the the mealworm treats. So I was about to say, you're gonna take them to the farmers market and sell them for, for like four dollars an egg or something like that. The secondary no, egg no, market. No. We're eating them because I'm tired of paying $4 a day at the <laughs> farmer's market. So so with three chickens, I'll, I'll get 21 eggs a week. So we should be good. We usually go through 18 pack a week. So, Oh, my gosh. You eat that many eggs? Well, yeah. My kids eat two. My kids eat three eggs every morning. So that's, you know, that's, that's there a lot. you go. I, that, I guess that adds up right there. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't eat eggs that often. I think the last time I had eggs is I had to buy some eggs to, I, I forget what I was making, but I only needed one egg. So I just bought one of those small little six packs. And then the rest of the six packs sat there for probably a week and a half or two. And I said, all right, we're eating breakfast for dinner tonight because we got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah, we make hard boiled eggs. My kids eat eggs. We, we eat a lot of eggs. It's good for your brain. Protein, omega-3s, all that good stuff. You know, I didn't think about this. If egg prices are up, what about egg beaters? Isn't that like the do, do those do those go up in price too? I haven't haven't checked the my Kroger app to see if they've increased in price, but I could imagine I the have, I do have egg beaters demand. in my fridge for uh, New York sours because I don't want to waste a whole egg on. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just keep egg beaters in the fridge for because uh, they last like three months, you know, the expiration date. So I just use those for my sours. Yeah, I used to go to Costco and get the the egg whites because they had them in the big six packs. And that's what I would use for my New York sours. Wow. Yeah. That's like a ton of, that's a lot of egg whites. <laughs> there was at a point where my daughter was eating a lot of eggs, but those, those days have passed and now it's just full of carbs. It's cinnamon toast crunch and muffins and pancakes and whatnot. Yeah. She's young. She can handle it now, but as soon as she hits 30, it, that's over. Yeah. Goes straight start, to the ass. <laughs> there you go. It's going to do that or start clogging some veins, one or the other. That's right. All right. Let's hit it with some bourbon news here. So the Bourbon Capital Alliance has announced the establishment of the Brindiamo Penthouse on the top floor of the historic Spalding Hall in Bardstown, Kentucky. The highly curated location was fully funded by a $150,000 donation from the Brindiamo Group. And Sam Lacey, who you will hear on the show about, and he's going to be talking about this here in about two weeks. He said the space will be used for the Bourbon Capital Guild meetings, tastings, and increased exposure to the nine partner distilleries that are part of the Guild. In addition, it will feature a classroom for the Bourbon Capital Academy to craft inter interactive educational bourbon experiences. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, Remember we talked to him about it? Yeah. Well, and, you know, the governor showed up, and Brindiamo has been, like, just crushing it in the the bourbon game and it's good to see him invest in the you know the bourbon community there in Portstown and uh the bourbon capital guild's a great organization and whatnot for being kind of the liaison between the distilleries and the the community and whatnot and so i'm, I'm excited for this spalding hall is one of those hidden gems like there's a ton of cool history in that building a lot of people don't know about with the oscar gets and whatnot you can go in there and uh really if you want to see some cool vintage bottles and just bourbon history pop in over there. Um, so this will really, I think, help elevate that space because it's kind of people don't know about it. It's kind and, of been forgotten about the, the Oscar Getz Museum. People go to Bardstown all the time, but you don't hear people talk about going and visiting there. So you're right. Hopefully this puts a 
little bit of a spotlight on it because they do have a lot of cool stuff there. I remember the first time, first time I really saw it was during Bourbon Festival and it had to go up and go to the, actually went to the penthouse before it was the penthouse and remodeled to go and check everything out. But yeah, they, they have a, a lot of cool little artifacts and everything like that around there. I'm just hoping like I come over there and get like a smoker's jacket or something, you know, walk in. <laughs> <laughs> just a purple velvet jacket and just sit down, <laughs> open your locker. There's tons of mahogany everywhere. I, I don't know if 150 grand will cover you know, all that, but uh, it's pine. That's right. Yeah. Acacia. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, it's just that, that cheap board you see on like Ikea furniture. That's what it is. Yep. But I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. Uh, I, did you say when it's opening the date or? It did not say the date, but gotcha. this is the announcement of it. So I'm assuming it's going to be relatively soon. And as I'd mentioned, you can listen to the podcast here in two weeks and Sam Lacey will be on the show and you will understand all the different acronyms we threw around with the, the BCA, the, the BCG, the, the BCA and all this other kind of stuff. We're not talking supplements either. Yeah. There's two, there's two, there's actually two BCAs, the Bourbon Capital Alliance, Bourbon Capital Academy, Bourbon Capital Guild. And you'll know exactly what all those are here in a few weeks. Yeah. Sam's a great guy doing a lot of good things for the Bartstown community and the, the bourbon community as well. So. Excited for everything. So this one's a little bit different, but you know we get those newsletters that come every single day, and if we're struggling for a little bit of news, I'll I'll go ahead and put one in here. So this one I just thought was kind of fun. So neuroscientists, and by the way, this is in the spirit of Dry January. I put this on here. So neuroscientists have created a new category of non-alcoholic spirit designed to mimic the effect of feel goods of alcohol. It's called GABA Spirits and has been developed by GABA Labs, a pioneering team of scientists led by professor of, I hope I say this right, neuropsychopharmacology, and his name is David Nutt, which aims to develop beverage ingredients that take consumers beyond ethanol. GABA Spirits has been developed by GABA Labs, and uh, it is going to, and this, this is the way that he says, Nutt says that you've heard of dopamine, you've heard of serotonin, but there's 100 times more GABA in the brain than either of those transmitters. And GABA and glutamate are the two transmitters in the brain that actually make the brain do the work. He confirms that relaxing and anxiety-relieving effects often felt through alcohol consumption are down to GABA. Nutt and his team have developed a synthetic alternative alcohol known as Alcarelli, or A-L-C-A-R-E-L-L-E, which is a single molecule. This ingredient will go into food safety testing and once the company has raised funds to do so. If it passes... Alcarelli will be sold to beverage companies in order for them to add it to their drinks and allow consumers to experience the benefits of alcohol without ethanol. In addition, the company launched Sentia, or Sentia, S-E-N-T-I-A. You can go just Google it. They did that back in 2021. It's a non-alcoholic botanical spirit made, by, made with herbs known to work on the GABA system. And Sentia is said to produce an effect similar to the one achieved by consuming a small glass of wine or a half pint of beer. Though Sentia doesn't give the same negative effects associated with alcohol, and it's recommended that no more than 200 milliliters of liquid is consumed per day. Sentia Red is available for purchase on SentiaSpirits.com for $35 per bottle. Okay, what was the first one called? The <laughs> What, Alcarelli? Yeah, it sounds like a pasta or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it looks, it has a nice little noodle. It's just got a little twist to it. It's uh, Ironically enough, I've, I've heard of GABA or GABA, um, but... I was listening to Tim Ferriss the other day and he was drinking like a ketone based like drink that was supposed to get you. It wasn't ethanol based alcohol, but gave you the same effects as I wonder if it's similar along these lines, but uh, 
it's like everybody's just looking to get drunk or high somehow, you know, <laughs> just not have the old over. fashioned ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take the, the method that's been tried and true since, I don't know, I think Egyptian times was when they started doing alcohol, maybe before then. And yeah, that'll, that'll go. Yeah. We just kind of try to add more science to it. It's interesting. I mean, I just assume just drink whiskey and then hell now I get IVs, you know, so <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> there's the signs behind mine. <laughs> you, you skip the, the part where you're just supposed to take two ibuprofen or two Advil and you just say, just go ahead and inject it into my veins. Yeah. I need that saline, some B12. Among those pardoned in President Joe Biden's clemency recipient list was Charlie Burns Jackson. And he was convicted almost 60 years ago for a single instance of selling whiskey without a tax stamp. Jackson from South Carolina was 18 at the time of defense in 1964, which, in the words of the White House's statement on the pardon, resulted in a nominal loss of the government. In the mid-1960s, after graduating from high school, Jackson attempted to fulfill a lifelong held dream to enlist in the U.S. Marines. However, due to his federal conviction, he was rejected. And in 1969, he completed his five years of probation and List notes that he had been an active member of his local church since 1987, using his carpentry skills to renovate and restore the building. Biden is not the first president to have pardoned someone over whiskey, tax-related misdemeanors. After the so-called Whiskey Rebellion of the 1970s, sorry, 1790s, that would have been a little too early, a violent protest in Pennsylvania against the tax on domestically produced distilled spirits, and that was the first tax imposed by the newly formed U.S. government. And that was eventually crushed by the U.S. Army, President George Washington, and he pardoned several other rebels. In turn, almost a century and a half later, Franklin D. Roosevelt would pardon numerous individuals who had been convicted of bootlegging during Prohibition. So, again, just another kind of fun story about whiskey in the news. Well, pays the government's bills, you know, get those <laughs> excise tax bills and we're like, uh, you don't know. mess with a man's money. It's how he feeds his family. That's right. Um even if it is just one little tax stamp. You know, them and a turkey got pardoned, you know. That's mm -hmm. you know what they they pardon a turkey every year for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think so. I think you're probably right. But yeah, yeah they, everybody has a list of people they pardon. This is just one of them. But whiskey happened to be in the news, and so that's it. All right, let's go on some real bourbon news here. So Barrel Craft Spirits, they have announced the purchase of a historic rickhouse in Shively, Kentucky. This five-story, eighty-nine thousand square foot rickhouse, which can house around seventeen thousand five hundred barrels. They purchased the rickhouse from Angel's Envy, which had owned it since 2013, uh, and, and they bought it in December of 2022 for $2.41 million. It was originally built in the 1940s as a part of Yellowstone Distillery, and following the reappeal of Prohibition, it had been owned and operated by several companies since then, including Florida Distillers, Glenmore Distilling Company of Owensboro, and most recently, Angel's Envy. So I remember when this actually came up on yeah. the yeah. Uh, we saw the it commercial on, uh, real estate. Lutnet or something. We were yeah, like... like commercial real estate cool. around here. It was like, yeah, it'd be really cool to own, but way, way beyond our pocket pocketbooks. Yeah, we're leveraged out, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, I had a chance. I went to lunch with Joe and Trip a few weeks ago, and I talked about this because I knew that they had been purchasing this and, and whatnot, and I said, well, was there anything wrong with it? I mean, it's an old warehouse. What, what kind of issues? You got any of those beetles got to worry about? And Trip looked that dead me eye. He goes, Kenny, this thing is probably built better than today's warehouses. He goes, there wasn't a plumb bob that was out of whack or out of anything. So uh, I feel that's a pretty good, pretty good buy for them. And when I talked to them about it, I said, what was the, what was the idea of doing this? And they go, honestly, we just need storage for all of our barrels. So oh, there you sure. go. 
you've been to their facility, they got barrels like in the bathroom. They got them in <laughs> <laughs> under office chairs. They got they got barrels everywhere. It's uh, it's like an Austin Powers movie in there when he's backing up in between the the hallway oh, trying yeah. to get out. Yeah, it's exactly. The forklift what it's is like, like, uh, uh, like I, I hate walking there. I'm like, all right, don't. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna run to Joe's office. But uh, no, this is awesome. I we looked at it or not looked at, it, but we got the listing. I was like, this would be so cool, but there's no way we could afford this. Nor, but we have the because I think we'll only have ten thousand barrels at one time. But um, yeah, we wouldn't be able barrel to fill the damn thing. We can't even fill the damn thing. We're like, well, maybe we can put a, I don't know, a pickleball cord in there or something <laughs> in the bottom. <laughs> but he did say that they, when they bought this piece of property, there's there's a lot more land that goes to it as well. There were actually three or four warehouses that were on the land, but have all been destroyed over time. And so this is the last remaining one. But he said there's plenty of room to build more of them with the, if and when the day comes for them. Forgive me. I know you mentioned a few names who owned it before. Who was the original owner back in the day? Do you know? Yellowstone Distillery. Okay, Yellowstone. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was originally built yeah, in 1940. That's where, that's where the that final reserve was stored, I bet. Remember he was saying that those barrels were stored at the yellow, one of the Yellowstone warehouses. But Ooh, man, you're foreshadowing. We, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Remember, we, remember that uh, end of the, we'll talk about that 50 year old bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where it comes from. So there you go. You're, you're already, man, your mind is like a steel trap. Okay. Well, well, can't wait. All right. All right. So let's go into the next study here. So this one, I put it in here again. This was sort of like on the bounds of news, but I also want to get your take on it because I think it's a load of BS as well. So Stanford university they have released a study that says brands of all kinds that want to appear authentic must show consumers a genuine investment in their craft. In this new study, Glenn Carroll, he's a professor of organizational behavior at Stanford's Graduate School of Business, and they look at whiskey distilleries to gain a broader sense of how consumers perceive authenticity. And he finds that intangible features like the intuition of master distillers, hand-raked grains, or family ties to Prohibition-era moonshiners that actually matters to consumers but less so than observable and costly marks of craftsmanship like on-site stills or integrated farming operations. Their most clear-cut finding is that brands that outsource their distillation appear inauthentic. The whiskey, studies, the whiskey study brings two prominent social science theories to bear on authenticity. Authenticity, sorry about that. Signaling theory suggests that companies or people that make significant and visible investments appear more authentic, as those investments signal a strong commitment to their craft. And in whiskey culture, on-site stills are an obvious signal. The theory of essentialism argues that unobservable features like tradition, family name, or climate are linked with authenticity. He ran four studies to characterize how these different studies contribute to consumers' perceptions of authenticity among whiskey distilleries. In the first study, participants, who are not all whiskey fans, by the way, they selected which descriptions of a distillery sounded more authentic. In the second, studied... It analyzed online reviews to determine which features of a particular whiskey corresponded with impressions of authenticity. And the final two studies were experiments that used hypothetical descriptions of distilleries to tease out the types of characteristics that whiskey drinkers associate with authenticity. The researchers found evidence to support that signaling theory and the theory of essentialism, though signaling appeared to be more closely linked with perceptions of authenticity that visible investments that reinforce on-site production were more important to the notions of authenticity than more intangible traits like tradition or terroir. 
Another key takeaway is that companies interested in reaping the rewards of an authentic reputation should not outsource production, even if it means foregoing economic efficiencies. There are more important exceptions to this, however. He notes that Pappy Van Winkle, one of the most sought-after U.S. bourbons, openly outsources its production to Buffalo Trace, and yet a bottle of Pappy can go for thousands of dollars. Beyond whiskey, Carroll cites Patagonia, which has a reputation as one of the most authentic clothing brands, despite not owning any mills or factories. Hmm. We well, think. Doesn't surprise me. Um, there That's is so much. People think. Yeah, I mean, people, people think you come here yeah. to go on the bourbon trail, and you go and you visit Heaven Hill, you visit Jim Beam, you visit the, you go and see the stills, and of course that cements that thought process in them. Even though you go to Heaven Hill, you don't see a still, you just see a... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, people get in the the bourbon brands who have stills have done such a magnificent job of romanticizing, like making our own, and you know, it's a craft and this and that. Whereas in reality, my MacBook can do exactly what they're doing. <laughs> it's making whiskey. <laughs> you put in eighty, seventy eight, ten, twelve. So you're gonna plug in seventy eight percent corn. Ten, you know, it's uh. But most people don't realize that, but they've done such a great job of romanticizing the distilling process that uh, consumers just think, oh, you got to make your own to, you know, to, to be a quality producer, whereas that's just far from the truth. I mean, don't get me wrong. The people that make their own whiskey are, do a great job, but it's uh, you can outsource it and it's just I mean, every other product in America is usually outsourced and co-packed <laughs> by someone, but whiskey, mostly in China. Well, in wine, wine. I mean, I think I've read a statistic that like thirty percent of all thirty percent of the winemakers make like eighty percent of the wine, you know, you know, in Napa or in California. And uh, there's all these brands that have built off that, and it's okay in the wine world, but in whiskey, for some reason, it's like you got to make it, you know. But I don't know. It, I'm not surprised by this, though. It's it's an education thing. And it's probably one of those things that most people look at this and they think, yes, the magic is in the still and so on and so forth. But I think most of us all know that a lot of the magic happens in the barrel, the maturation process, and oh, what yeah, you can totally. do afterwards. That's where most of the magic really happens. And this is just, again, it was a study that I thought, I said, let's put it out there about authenticity. And I'm oh, sorry if you're able to keep up with me and there's tripping up on a few words there. But for the most part, I look at it and... Even at the very end, he goes, well, on the other hand, you know, you have the most popular brand ever that's <laughs> right. outsourced. And so maybe it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I'm skeptical of anything Stanford puts out because because <laughs> I just watched The Inventor, which is that I can't remember her name, Elizabeth Holmes, that basically comes out with this machine that says oh, it can yeah. like, produce with the, the blood stuff, the blood stuff. And I'm like, you just passed her through your program i believe nothing you say because <laughs> <laughs> she she just lied to everyone and raised billions of dollars and uh whatnot but anyway i i'm kidding this is a, it is fascinating and it is probably very true what consumers think yeah That's it was called right yeah it's called inventor out for blood in silicon valley yeah yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. fascinating it was, it was good yeah it's a fascinating story of like just greed and just people wanting things to happen versus like, like, okay, what's really going on here? We want this to happen so bad that we're going to dump a bunch of money into it, even if it's false. I mean, falsify it's, the information. It's just, it's just funny the stories people tell themselves in their head point exactly with distilling. You know, it's like, 
oh, the story in my head is if you make it, it's so much better than someone that outsources where in reality it's not. It's just people live in stories inside their head and I don't know. It's funny. I mean, it, it you're right because you go through here and if they put brands like Bullet on here, well, Bullet has been outsourced for 95% oh, gosh, of their yeah. existence. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. There you go. We, we could go on all day about all the big brands that outsource. Michter's. I mean, let's just keep, you just keep going. All the big brands, they all outsource at some point, except probably four or five of them. Well, every single brand is outsourced at some point. They People don't know this. They used to buy, I mean, there's been turkey stuff at Heaven Hill. There's been, they've all traded barrels at one time to meet, you know, certain needs that they need. So it's, it's just funny. We know too much. That's what it comes yep, down to. We know too much. We're... Yeah, we need to be, stick to the romantic side. <laughs> <laughs> but people are listening to this show, and now you're smarter because you know that there's just wild turkey barrels literally in every distillery across Kentucky. That's right. Including wild turkey. Yep. All right. So Four Roses and Osmo Salt, they're the purveyors of premium chef-selected salt, and they're debuting their first ever spirit-infused flavor called Osmo and Four Roses Toasted Vanilla Bourbon Salt. And it's the first ever co-branded culinary product from Four Roses. And the salt was created for cocktail enthusiasts, for rimming bourbon drinks, for home chefs, and for adding a robust yet sweet touch to meals this Valentine's Day. To create the Osmo and Four Roses toasted vanilla bourbon salt, clay-based Red Sea salt was harvested from between Hawaiian lava rocks and then purified to give it its vibrant red color before allotting the salt time to breathe for its optimal full flavor absorption. The Four Roses small batch bourbon was then poured over the crystals, which evaporated naturally once a combination of solar light and wind is applied. This process allows the bourbon and the salt to maintain their natural compositions. The result? It's a full body infused flavor that maintains the integrity of both the natural salt and the Four Roses small batch bourbon. This toasted vanilla bourbon salt is now available for a limited time on Osmo Salt's website for $19. I don't know how you kept it together reading that. <laughs> I, I, I just, the entire time. Man, stories like that, they just they just give me that little extra umph I need to just deliver it with just the just the enunciation. This isn't as bad as the the bung webcams, but <laughs> it's it's pretty close. Uh, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. You go to Bourbon Barrel Foods, and they've got all kinds of bourbon yeah, salts. They got mint julep sugars. They got all kinds of cool stuff there. So I think this is just. I don't think it's ridiculous. I just think it's another foray. It's another revenue stream. It's another partnership. I think it's a cool idea. Uh, but you've got to pay nineteen dollars for some salt. <laughs> okay. It, Bourbon flavor salt's great, to- but now it's toasted vanilla. Bourbon fl- it's like, what's it did get next? Toasted. Is is it Amberano salt? I mean, <laughs> is it coming next? I mean, all right, uh, I don't know. And then how they talk about the Hawaiian, you know, I don't. This is but great. I, I, it's I mean, storytelling at its finest. Yes, the the you story should put this of- to a Stanford poll. Is this authentic or not? <laughs> <laughs> be like, I call bullshit. I've never seen salt between Hawaiian lava rocks. Yeah, who's getting that? Harvesting that? Like, go out there and melt your ass to get these salt <laughs> particles. To, then we're gonna toast in vanilla. I know. I now I just feel like my Himalayan pink salt from Costco just isn't good enough. <laughs> right. Just stick to my Morton's <laughs> chemical salt. Yeah. All right, that's enough for Salt Talk. We'll be back with some bourbon release news. Stay tuned. 
Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Hey everyone, it's time for some bourbon release news, so it's some quick ones, so let's go ahead and let's get out of here. Kentucky Owl has announced the release of its Batch 12 bourbon, and this is continuing the legacy that began in 2014 with Batch Number 1, which was the first Kentucky Owl bourbon released since Prohibition. Batch 12 is the latest limited batch release that was carefully crafted by master blender John Rhea. These highly sought-after, artfully blended craft bourbons have become an instant sensation. For Batch Number 12... Rhea blended very particular well-aged bold bourbons of 7 to 14 years old and blended them with two different 4-year-old bourbons to create this unique blend. The nose has sweet spice and caramel notes with a hint of butterscotch and a long bouquet of a pleasant aroma. The palate brings a pleasant rush of warm spice and blah, 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 blah. I hate tasty notes. So Batch 12 is bottled at 115.8 proof, and there is no no price tag on it, so... I guess it's free. Go to your, yeah, go to your, yeah, there you go. You, you pull that old dad joke. There's no price tag. It's free, right? Wait a minute. What was it before Prohibition? What'd you uh, say? They just said that batch one of Kentucky Owl was the first Kentucky Owl bourbon release since Prohibition. Like, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I should probably start clipping some fluff out of these press releases because, yes, I started reading all the notes and I was like, I don't read the notes. I never read the notes. Let's get rid of this stuff. I like those tasting notes of blah, 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 though. Sounds tasty. Yeah, well, it's... it's so it's seven years and 14 years, so you got seven 14-year-old Barton plus some four-year-old BBC. Got it. <laughs> got it. Wow, you you figured out that Dakota ring pretty quick there, didn't you? Yep. Well, let's, let's see if it matches up. 115.8 proof, so if you see it, it out good. there, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no press releases for this one, but we did get the bottle in the mail. So Elijah Craig Barrel Proof A123 has been released. It's their standard 781012 mash bill. It's 12 years old and has an SRP of $70. There we go. Short and sweet. I saw Fred really love this one. Um, oh. 
We'll see. Because in addition to this, they also sent Larceny A123, and it's all the same exact stuff as last time. So, or Larceny Barrel Proof. Yeah, I always love both of those offerings. They're usually no fail, three thumbs ups. That's true. Consistently good and pretty much always... uh, that is, you got a good price point. I mean, twelve year old, seventy dollars barrel proof. That's a that's a tough game. To I, beat I hate to there. say it though. I've been going back to like Elijah Craig ninety four, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of liking it better. It's more balanced. It's less. You know, it's I can have multiple. It's really good. I'm right there with you, man. That's it's it's one of those things that yeah, I could go have one barrel proof at a hundred and thirty two proof or something like that and then all of a sudden i can be like well i could have two of my 94s and still feel pretty good i don't know i wonder it's, if it's all going to come full circle it's like we started off here <laughs> we went through all this you know toasted finished barrel proof limited and then now we're back to like <laughs> what got 93 here. proof yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know it'd be interesting to see i, I have a feeling that that that'll that probably will never change because even when this boom got started, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that was really out there, uh, like really what, I mean, Willet was one of the first ones pushing barrel proof stuff. And that's why people started buying. And I think that's really kind of what started a lot of that was Willet purple tops or not even that Willet wax being a lot of the barrel proof offerings. And people really started chasing that way. I feel like a lot of distilleries just started following suit after that. Well, I remember us following the Southern wine spirits truck for Elijah barrel proof. When it first, when we first started oh, the yeah. podcast, I was like editing in the, and then we saw the truck at Liquor Bar. We're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an old episode. So if all you OGs out there, you might know that one. That's right. It was terrible audio and terrible commentary. How how my have we grown over time? That's all. Maybe. So it's our last one here, and it's a new bourbon, and it's being released with the help of University of Kentucky's 1978. NCAA championship basketball team, and it's called, that's fitting, it's called 78 Legends. So the 1978 NCAA basketball champions, Jack Goose Givens, Ricky Roby, and Kyle Macy, they're releasing a very limited edition bourbon, which some of it was already aging in a barrel when they won the title. The 78 Legends is a limited edition blend of Kentucky five-year and 50-year bourbon whiskeys, honoring the players and the coaches of the 1978 championship team. Each bottle was dipped in Kentucky Blue Wax and signed exclusively by three players. Only 1,978 bottles were produced, and each is marked with 1 through 1,978. Right now, the only way that you can get it is through the Fraser History Museum as a part of their meet-and-greet and interview-style program. And the cost? You guessed it, 1978 That's $1,978. Wow. <laughs> well, they do it like the extra if you had 2000 you know, 2,000 bottles or 2,500 or... It's probably going to Goose's personal stash. Well, you thought blending 7, 14, and 4-year-old was interesting. Wait till you... <laughs> well, I, I have no, I'm a... I'm sure this is good. I have a, I have a theory. Um, Every Kentucky fan is going to get this because... I don't know. I mean, they, you're, you're right. I'm an idiot. Yes, they will get it. Here was, here's my theory behind it as well. So this is all from Buddy Thompson's Final Reserve, those barrels that we had talked no. about a long, long time ago. If you go back and you listen to the show, listen to that one with Buddy Thompson, probably one of the the best interviews that I felt being in the presence of, of 
somebody that's great and awesome to be able to do and talk about that. And we admittedly stuck our foot in our mouths because the whiskey was terrible. And we even got to sit there and try it with them and uh, got to tell him to his face the whiskey was terrible. And now, and now we fast forward a few years. And so those barrels, he still had barrels still sitting around. And now those barrels are 50 years old. And don't get me wrong, it, it's probably not great, but you probably can't sell much more 50-year-old bourbons because there's probably not much left in the barrel. But you can mix it and blend no. it with the five-year Kentucky, and it'll probably bring in some of those, those notes. So I personally would love to be able to try this one. I'm probably not going to drop $1,978 to be able to do it. But I I remember, you remember, Ryan, the nose on that 43-year-old uh, bourbon. One of the best noses ever. Oh God, that nose was just, it was miraculous. It was amazing, but it was almost undrinkable. So I would love to see exactly if you can take a five-year, blend it with the 50 and, and see what happens. So I, I think it's a its a cool thing, an interesting thing to be able to see because I know that Buddy had a, a good connection to everything that he was doing with these barrels and stuff like that too. Yeah, he was one of the my favorite interviews we've ever done. So uh, it, it's cool that, I guess we're presuming this is the whiskey that that I'm he, presuming. Yeah. Yeah. But if it is, it's very cool that it's going to this project and you know, there's a ton of cool just so much history and fifty years of like, you know, the that's happened since nineteen seventy eight and all this stuff. So it's it's very cool. I agree. I agree. Well, that is gonna do it for this week this week's this week in this week of bourbon. I think that's how the best way to say it. It's this, this week's, this, this week's, week's of, this week's in bourbon. This week's in yep. bourbon right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, throwing, I'm just throwing shit out there. Well, with that toodles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>